0: welcome back to the south end zone part of the billy up sports network i'm your host jason bailey i am with eric mulhair as always and if you're watching with us on youtube there's a third guy on the screen that
1: uh who maybe, the un- fuck is that guy
0: <laughs> maybe maybe unfamiliar which your picture keeps freezing some but we can hear you fine
1: well that's uh, good pop
0: timmy popovich welcome back to the show dude how you been
1: hey man i've been good uh the retired life from the military is treating me well um and uh glad to be here with you guys uh celebrating some college football awards man
0: you're not really retired though you just like stop putting a uniform on and you do the same job
1: hey man don't take that
2: away from me
0: <laughs> just saying uh eric what's going on with you dude you ready to do this award show it's about a year in the making
2: I am, and I just want to throw out there, if you are receiving a pension check from the government, you are, in fact, retired. Goddamn right.
0: Yes. Well, a few more years for me. I, I took a I took a small break of, like, six years, so you guys can piss off. I'm a few years behind you, but uh, that's all right, man. We'll get there. But uh, today... Ladies and gents, is our award show. It's our annual award show. Timmy is back to host it because he is the host with the most when it comes to award shows. Our 2021 award show was straight fire. We missed you last year, Timmy, but we're glad you're back for this one. Uh, Eric, I don't really think there's any breaking news outside of there's like 8 million players in the transfer portal. USC's rosters coming apart at the seams
2: yeah, everyone's crazy. roster is coming apart I,
0: basically yeah. yeah so it's <laughs> well, a
2: whatever again, show yeah again it, we are not the 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 place to go to if you're looking for news on that front that that is not us that's not what we're good at there nope. are plenty plenty of available resources that frankly are just much more equipped to to inform you of stuff like that than we are. I would so. say
0: much more interested to inform you than we are because yeah, I don't
2: really true. give a shit about yeah, half that care. stuff.
0: <laughs> we don't care. But uh, all right, so let's get into it, boys. We're going to run down some categories. Timmy, I'm going to kick it over to you here in just a second, and then uh, once we're done handing out some hardware that yep. uh, you may or may or may not want to come pick up, FYI, uh, we're going to do uh, our Festivus segment because you know we're. We're Seinfeld. At least we're Seinfeld likers here. At least some of us I know. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I mean, some of us are. <laughs> Timmy, you're just you're just here to host, man. You don't have to love it. So yeah, right. yeah. But that's okay. There are some Seinfeld lovers that I know that listen to the show. So we are going to obviously not do it on Feb- the December the twenty third because I'm just not doing that. So we're going to go ahead and get our Festivus segment out of the way. And uh, Timmy. Take it the hell away, dude. Let's do some awards, 2023.
1: Well, first of all, I would just like to apologize for my uh, informal attire. I didn't have time to get my tuxedo shirt on, cool. but, uh, you know, yeah, wh- what can I say, man? I'm sorry. I let y'all down, but um, <laughs> similar to uh, the last time we all three jumped on the award show, I've put together some aptly named end of year superlative type awards Um, That I'm going to go through with you guys Um, So I'll uh, read the category uh, Give you the uh, brief description of it And then uh, you guys give me your best take On uh, who's the winner of that award for the year Um, So I'll start with Eric on the first one Um, this one's going to be titled the oops, I crapped my pants award. Um, it's going to go to the biggest fail of the year. And that could be, you know, a player, a coach, a team, a performance, pretty much anything's on the board, uh, for biggest fail, uh, and the oops, I crapped my pants award. So go ahead, Eric, let's, let's see what Um, you
2: got. My nominee for the oops, I crapped my pants award is not any one of those It is a coach and a player and a team. It is the whole conglomerate at the University of Southern California. Oh, man, I didn't see that one coming. Preseason number six ranking, bringing back the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. uh, And they go seven and five. They can't tackle anybody. They allow 34.9 points per game. Uh, They have a one and five record in the second half all of those losses they they gave up uh, at least 34 points every game in the second half of the season they averaged allowed 41 points in those losses they fired their defensive coordinator in the midst of that they just straight up did not have a good time
1: yeah, something tells me uh, we might be saying uh, USC a lot on these uh you know dumpster <laughs> fire type awards the rest of the show I, mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys but that's uh that's a pretty good one um, so Jason uh no no repeats here can't use USC so what do you got man
0: you know I I that was this was an easy category to come up with lots of possibilities uh It's the biggest fails. I mean, there's so many, but, and USC is definitely one of them that I, you know, sort of annotated in my list of possibilities, but I'm sorry, boys, Mario Cristobal running the ball and not taking a fucking knee against Georgia tech. To end up losing the football game is the biggest fail of the season. All you had to do is fucking knee on it and he runs it. They fumble it and deserve it they <laughs> lose the fucking football game. Like if you're I mean, if you're a Miami better, like I feel bad for you, it was but we'll talk more about that later. I'm sorry. That's and that's not the first time in his career he's done that. He did it no. when he was at Oregon, too. But I mean, you just you can't get any dumber. Then, hey, man, just take a knee and it's over, and they run a play and fumble and lose. Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: And then to clarify, they, they didn't lose the game because of that. They lost the game because they did that, and then they let Georgia Tech go 75 yards yeah. in two plays with no timeouts. Uh, really kind of to pile on your point, that that was brutal.
0: Yeah. I mean that that's the biggest fail of the year for me. I'm sorry now i like i said we'll we'll touch on some honorable mentions here uh once Timmy makes this decision once he opens the envelope
1: yeah <laughs> I I had actually briefly forgot about that until you had just mentioned it. And then I I have it like playing in my my mind right now, watching it going (laughs) like, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's football 101 at like the third grade level. You just take take a knee, dude. Take a knee, man. What were you trying to do? I don't know. But. I'm opening the envelope and I think holistically, I got to give the award to USC uh, because they were such a dumpster fire. And I think we've all three been saying it over and over and over again. Like you can't win the way that they're trying to win. And even with all the the roster players that they had, they they still sucked. Um, So they crapped their pants the most this year.
0: (sighs) Well, some of the other honorable mentions in the biggest fail category that I had, uh, Connor stallions getting caught the way he did at Michigan and the just, sunglasses with a camera man. <laughs> the, just the, the blatant arrogance <laughs> of like standing on the sideline with a fucking play call sheet with a bunch of little men making signals on it. I was like, damn man, like that. That's a pretty big fail to get caught in that manner. Uh, USC was one, like I said, kind of a downer. Pac-12 football, saying goodbye to it. That's yeah. a big fail on the part yeah. of the TV yeah. executives think- that run the sport. I mean, that sucks. Uh, another one, Michigan-related. Sharon Moore, crying and swearing on national television. That was fucking weak. That yeah, was a huge not a good, fail. Not a good look. And uh, a couple of more SEC ones. Florida wearing black uniforms absolutely despicable. That's a huge fail. I don't care. I don't know who made that decision, but it's a fireable offense. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, lastly was uh Auburn losing by 21 points to New Mexico State just cuz oh, I got to throw, at, I home. Gotta throw <laughs> at home. I got to throw shade at Auburn, but uh yeah, that was also a huge fail. So
1: yeah, those, those were all definitely crap your pants worthy. Um, I, I would also like to throw in there in the Connor Stallions category, all of the Michigan losers who were trying to defend him on Twitter oh. talking about, Oh, it's, it's not an LED. It, it's, it's the glare from the, sp- <laughs> shut up. You're an <laughs> idiot. Take your Homer glasses off. That was ridiculous. Spent about a week. Just like my thumbs were tired after the end of that. <laughs> But we'll move on to the next category, and uh, this one's going to be aptly titled The Ed Orgeron Beats Clemson in the National Title Game Award. Um, And this is going to be for the biggest W of the year. So, Jason, you go ahead and kick this one off.
0: All right. So I didn't completely understand the context. Is this like a W in general for college football fans, whatever? Or is this like an actual game result?
1: Um, I'll let you go with either of the above. I didn't really have a criteria for this one.
0: Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to do both. Uh, The one Uh, that I enjoyed the most and I think was best for all college football fans this year. And that would be Colorado getting absolutely fucking plastered by Oregon. (laughs) And it was just so wonderful to see the Colorado hype train go (laughs) flying off the rails and careening over a cliff. And oh, Jesus, that was an absolute beatdown. And all of us diehard college football fans loved it because it confirmed everything that we knew that was going to happen before the season. It was, they're going to suck. And of course, they started 4 0 and all the ESPN and they all just, oh, God, the hype train was unreal. And to me, that was the most enjoyable W of the year, just an absolute melt job and killed him and uh we'll talk more about dan lanning later in the show but i think it was a good thing for college football as a whole for that hype train to go and get derailed
1: yeah i remember like seven minutes into the season everybody was talking about them making the playoffs and all this other stuff and i'm like come on man like let's just be real here yeah
2: all right eric what do you got man <laughs> Uh, I also wasn't sure of the format of this question, so I also came up. Well, with I suck at my job. Then I'm particular sorry. game, and then kind of an overall season long. So uh, for me, the biggest win, uh, and that really didn't do much as far as like affecting any standings or rankings or any you know playoff implications or anything. But uh, as far as like a statement win, Missouri smacking the absolute dog out of Tennessee. Mm. Uh, (sighs) ran all over those guys right on the way to what ended up being a 10 and two season uh, for Missouri Missouri
1: came out of nowhere this
2: year, huh? So, uh, you know, Eli Drinkwitz was, I don't think he made either of our hot seat lists, but he was kind of on the cusp of like, Hey, you know, if this guy doesn't make a bowl game, he's in trouble. And the, the statement, um, the the season as a whole was kind of a statement, but that game in particular, right? Because Tennessee won eleven games last year. A lot of they had some hype coming into the season. Missouri had none, but I mean they just beat the snot out of those guys thirty six to three or thirty three to six or something. It was very one sided, and it good win for them. And then season long, I I got to go with Arizona, who came into the season uh, four and a half win total. They get to nine wins. Even their three losses were all very competitive two overtime games and lost by seven to Washington. Um, and they did that mostly with a freshman backup quarterback that we talked about last week. Noah Fafita came in, and played very well. Uh, they were just an impressive team. And it looks like they may be kind of on the way up. Program. let's be
0: let's let's be realistic for a second uh, eric's only nominating mizzou to rub it in my face that i bet on tennessee that week against <laughs>
2: against not, him no not only like but that was a tiebreaker yeah you know, but it definitely had something to do with that yeah yeah you All laid right. the points even
0: no mm-hmm.
2: oh, man and i wouldn't I be reveling this in this if i hadn't told you beforehand like i think the wrong team is favored but <laughs>
0: asshole (sighs)
2: all right
1: well the envelope is here and it's going to colorado biffs it because i agree that there was way too much hype in that you know going on at the beginning of the year and i think it was is good to see them kind of come down to earth and maybe next year they'll have a little bit more reasonable
2: expectations um because that that was just too much man (laughs) Yeah, hmm. was I don't mind losing that one because that, that's a good answer. Yeah.
0: Oh, some uh, some other honorable mentions here that we should just cover real quick. A big win for college football would be a uh, Brian Ference getting shit canned at Iowa. because yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe they'll score more than ten points a game or something like that.
2: Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't I don't know that they care still. No.
0: <laughs> no, not based on uh, Kirk Ferentz's comments yesterday, but yeah. uh, and the other one was the clock rules. Big win for college football, I think. The clock not stopping unless it's inside two minutes, just like NFL. I think it sped up the games, made things a little bit more enjoyable. I, I just I like the new clock rules. Yeah.
2: That actually reminds me I got I have another <clears throat> another thing to add to the list for the next segment. Oh All right.
1: All right. Well, Jason's doing a good job at his job. Um, all right. Um, going on to the next one, this one's going to be for the game of the year and it's titled, I'm sorry, Jason, but and Auburn's going to win the football game (laughs) from the old kick six broadcast on the radio call there. Um, so Eric, why don't you go ahead and take this one first,
2: uh, Oregon at Washington in week seven, which ended up being a 36, 33 Washington victory. Um, A lot of drama came down towards. It came down to the final play, some lead changes, late game heroics, some some pivotal fourth down decisions. Um, It was wildly entertaining. A great game between two great teams. All right, sweet and to the point. I like it,
0: Hmm. Jason. (sighs) See, this was a tough one for me because. That was also my first selection. My second selection is not really one that I think is going to win the category for me, but I do think it was just one of the best games of the year overall, and that was Alabama-Georgia. It was a just – I mean, it was like watching an NFL game. Two just super high-powered teams, big, beastly NFL-caliber offensive and defensive linemen on both sides. Ended up being a field goal game, you know. Uh, basically a turnover in their own territory ended up being the difference in the game. And I don't know that you came away from the game really knowing who was the better team, sort of like we thought in the Oregon Washington matchup, you know, I mean, if, if Georgia and Alabama played again, it might end up the same like Oregon and Washington did, but you don't know. I mean, there's some people that out there that still think George is a better football team. So I would second to Eric's Washington, Oregon, the round one matchup, I, I would lean Alabama, Georgia as the best football game to watch all year. It was just a, a, a phenomenal game to watch.
1: Yeah, I, I watched both of those games and was very highly entertained at both of them. Um, not to take anything away from one game or the other, but I felt like I was more entertained by the uh, Washington, Oregon matchup the first go around. There was a lot of hype going into it. It didn't disappoint. Um, and I, I just thought it was a really good football game. But Alabama, Georgia was certainly a close second for me. Um, another very good football game. but we're sending the uh, sending the award out west, so mm.
0: okay, totally fine. That was gonna be my first pick too. so
1: yeah, I figured I-, I figured that one was gonna make the list at least from one of y'all
0: yeah I w- i'm not mad about it uh i would throw an honorable mention in there that lsu missouri game was fucking phenomenal to watch lsu getting the pick six basically to yeah. win r- towards the end like when mizzou was driving That uh, especially also.
1: since lsu didn't play any defense this year except for maybe then <laughs>
0: like, yeah no they they were part of several exciting games this year yeah. so
1: all right, going on to the next category, we're going to dive into uh, a little bit of a uh, college basketball reference here with a little Dick Vitale and the Diaper Dandy Award for the best first-year head coach. Um, so, Jason, go ahead and give me your coaching diaper dandy of the year.
0: Okay, so is this first year to be a head coach? at any level, or is this just first year at a new school?
1: No, first year at the new school.
0: Okay, first year at the new school. Part of me part of me wants to say David Braun at Northwestern. Getting that team to a fucking bowl game after everything that went on in the offseason. It's really impressive. They should not be in a bowl game, but in all reality, they played, you know, they beat basically three teams they shouldn't have. So I'm just going to go a different direction and give a guy who has been working on funding my retirement uh, some props. And that's uh, Jamie Chadwell at Liberty, be, going 13 good. and 0 in his first year. <laughs> I mean, shows up and I, I get the American is not really a great conference.
2: But, I thought you were going to say Hugh Freeze with that lead in. <laughs> yeah, I was too.
0: <laughs> no, no, not going to go qualified. Well, he, he got disqualified when he lost to New Mexico State. So um, maybe if he'd have won that, maybe I would have given him some props. But like I say, I kind of lean David Braun, but I just undefeated 13-0. and 0. I got to give Chadwell the nod, man. B- best job this year. So, All right.
2: Eric, what you got, man? Uh, well, I am going to go David Braun uh, because he fills both uh, criteria first-year head coach and first-year head coach at any level, not just new school. Uh, six months after being hired as the defensive coordinator from North Dakota State, he gets pushed into the interim role when they fire their longtime coach over a hazing scandal in, uh, must have been July, maybe June. Um, that team, I, I would have bet my house before the season that that team would not make a bowl game, let alone win a seventh game. Um for me, watching them go one and eleven last year, and everything that happened in the off season, knowing that they're not a place they can go, just go get you know whatever transfer they feel like to win seven games feels like borderline miraculous for me. Yeah, uh, especially as an interim guy who's not been at the power five level before.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to go ahead and say that Jason, you had it right the first time.
0: Yeah,
1: um, Braun's gonna get this one. I mean. Just like you guys said, that that is amazing to to take, yeah. especially what they did last year, combined with all the off the field stuff, and to win you know six games and be bowl eligible. <laughs> I'm with Eric. I would have bet you any amount of money at the beginning of the year
2: that that wouldn't have happened. Um, but
1: like you said, Chadwell also very deserving.
2: Um, yeah, and, you know, and that's least, not to say I'm not a Jamie Chadwell. Star. Yeah, like I mean, I completely You guys know that I am. But
0: oh yeah. Another guy I, I would have thrown out there was Jeff Brom, taking Louisville to double-digit wins and a conference title yeah. appearance in his first yep. season. That's I was pretty just impressive. About to bring
2: them up. Well, the only reason <laughs> probably I wouldn't did, have happened with Hot Cedar Field.
0: That, no, no, <laughs> probably not. And the, that's the main reason I didn't bring him up is because they missed like all of the tough teams in the conference on their schedule, and that's really you know they did beat Notre Dame, so props to them there, but you know, Notre Dame turned out to really not be what we thought they were going to be.
1: So
2: they are not.
0: Hartman
1: was not the savior of their,
2: their football (laughs) team this year. Yeah. Yeah, Notre Dame really felt, I mean, as far as nine and three teams go, Notre Dame felt somewhat disappointing to a certain extent to me, but
1: I will agree. Um, So going up next, um, Don't know if you guys will get this reference. This is an older AFC championship game, post game interview reference. This is the Bart Scott can't wait award. Um, and this is for the team that has the arrow pointed up for next year. Um, so Jason, who can you not wait to see next year?
0: Well, I couldn't wait to see it until like two days ago when every fucking one started talking about it. And you started seeing it all over Twitter. And now I'm kind of like, well, shit, I don't really want to throw them out there because now they're actually getting hype that no. I didn't think they were going to get. But it's Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Double digit wins this year. They're cleaning up in the portal. They're doing Come okay. Come
1: step, baby.
0: Yeah, come to, yeah, party in the SIP. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing okay in recruiting, but they're cleaning up in the portal. And, uh, you know, he continues to be the portal king, as they like to call him. But their schedule, uh, as SEC schedules go, is relatively favorable next season as compared to the past. You know, they miss Alabama, they miss Georgia, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of people that think they could uh, make a run at the playoffs Next season, and to be fair to Kiffin, they would have been in this year if it was a twelve-team playoff. But I think with everything that's going on there, like they're they're throwing some major, major money out in NIL right now, so they're making a big push to try to get over the top next year with that favorable schedule. So I would say Old Miss's arrow is pointing up as a program may not necessarily trans, you know, that may not necessarily mean more wins, but. As a program, I think their football program has an arrow pointing up. So right. mm. shout out to Kiffin.
1: Fair enough. Eric?
2: Old Miss would have been my pretty easy answer to. Uh, wow. I think that's the right one. Given that that is already taken, I will pivot to my distant second place. Um, God, I almost don't want to say this out loud. Uh, it's Nebraska. Ooh, hot
1: takes are flying! Oh my God! They're
2: they're a team that, we, Jason and I talked about it uh, last week, the week before. They get average quarterback play this season. They're nine and three. Um, they they had they led the country in turnovers or were tied for the the national lead in turnovers. That they they lost so many games by three points in which they had you know multiple interceptions uh, just someone to take care of the football well they're going to grab someone out of the portal I don't know who yet uh, they were linked to Kyle McCord they they got the number 1 or number 2 quarterback depending on the recruiting service you look at um, in this next class uh, Dylan Riola. they're they're going to fix the quarterback problem they they've already fixed the defense and when they do fix the quarterback problem I think you see the the jump forward
1: man the corn huskers all right well, I'm going to make a hot statement here and say that you're both wrong. Ooh. And the actual team with the arrow pointed up. Oh, God, here we go. It's right here.
2: Looking at Blacksburg, right. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: my God. Hey, hey
1: Homer. Uh, hey, I'm, I got my Homer glasses <laughs> on, but all I'm saying is is uh, they've just announced a whole bunch of kids coming back from, next, from last year that are coming back. Uh, they got some couple of good gets in the transfer portal already. Hey man, look out! That offense is going to be spicy. That defense is going to be revamped. You know they could they could make a push for an ACC title game appearance. I'm just uh, just warning y'all. But I actually
0: uh, don't I actually don't hate that take to be honest. Yeah, I think yeah. I think drones has yeah. been a big big difference maker for them. So,
1: but if I had to choose between Nebraska and Ole Miss, I, I would actually tend to agree with Eric um, <laughs> that you know old miss has got the the brand name and they've got a lot of the hype but i think that the the arrow is more pointed up with nebraska cuz i do think that they have the uh you know the blue blood in them to turn it around rather quickly uh and get out of the uh big steaming pile of shit they've been in for the last 15 years um so if i was a nebraska fan i'd be thoroughly excited on on the prospects for next year
0: Oh, they are. Believe me, I I said something on Twitter today. I was like hanging out on the edge of Husker Twitter today because the that's a
2: dark place to be. Dangerous, dangerous living right there. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh, it was. It was dangerous. And I said something about the the Dylan Rayola kid who flipped from Georgia to Nebraska. You know, he's a legacy. His dad went there and all that. But I was just like, well, I mean, you guys are acting like he's the savior. He hasn't played a fucking down yet. Like maybe. Like, who's he gonna throw to <laughs> like you know, like maybe pump the brakes a bit and stop throwing shade at Georgia fans because like Georgia would beat the dog shit out of your team for the next ten years if you played a hundred times a season. You wouldn't win a game, so maybe pump the brakes a bit, but I'm and that's, glad where, that's where that's where you excitement. went
1: wrong with going into the comments section of the Nebraska fans, okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was they your were just first mistake. They were Don't. just making they were making grunting sounds back at me that's all. <laughs> that's all I can do.
1: They were talking about national championships back from the 1990s, right?
0: Yeah, when I was 13 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: All right, good deal. Well, we're going to go with- forever. We're going to go to the next category. Um, and this is the opposite uh, of the arrow up award. This is the arrow down award titled on the bright side. We're not addicted to math. So Eric, who, uh, who has the arrow pointed in the most downward direction going? In the uh,
2: next? Uh, this pains me to say, cause I really, really like the coach, um, but man, Florida is in a bad, bad spot. Ooh. They, Ooh. they went, Six and six last year, five and seven this season. Their, their 2024 schedule looks like it was written by a Florida State fan. Um,
0: <laughs> it's it's one of the hardest schedules I've ever seen.
2: Ever, like I, ever seen. Not are just you, like, oh, but their, their schedule next year is an absolute. Are you going to go show. on record and say sub five wins right now? Smack.
1: Yeah. Cover? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Look oh, oh, yeah.
2: Look at They're losing commits left and right. They got guys hitting the portal. They're bringing some guys in, but their best player, their best edge rusher left, their best running back left there. I mean, personnel wise, I don't know that they're going to be a better team. And they always play a tough schedule. They had probably one of the five hardest, 10 hardest schedules in the country this year. Next year is way worse. Um it's it's tough to find five wins on that schedule unless they make some drastic changes personnel wise. Man, uh, yeah, like that because I, I don't think Billy Napier can survive that, and I I like the guy. I think he's a good coach. It's just a bad bad situation.
0: Well, I said it uh early, like I don't know if it was in the chat or what texting one of you guys. I think that's the only reason they didn't fire him this year. Is because they don't want a, a first-year head coach to just get his shit pushed in all season next year. They'd rather just Billy Napier take the brunt of that beating and just kick his ass out when hope for a better schedule next year. Like you don't want to hire a new coach and him go guy. three and nine. You know,
2: yeah. It, it yeah, it, it's bad. I think that might be part of the reason they kept him. But um you know, normally a guy goes into the season and you don't think like oh, if he can get to six and six, he'll save his job in year three, right? But I I tell you, if he wins six games on that schedule next year, I would have a tough time firing him because that would be really a really impressive job.
0: Well, that's what's so funny about it is if he loses six of those games, right? Like, I would still argue that his team needs to be in the top 25. At yeah, like six 100%. and six, because the schedule is so ridiculous. It's like, okay, who'd you lose to? Georgia, Alabama, Mizzou, LSU. Okay, you're eight and four. Yeah, you should be in the top 10. Like, yeah, Florida State. Yeah, there you go. Florida State, another one, another top five level program right now. So it's, I feel for Napier, That that's, that's bad. It's a good answer. I agree. All right, but, Jason. Uh,
1: well, well, who do you have that is not so bad that they're almost addicted to meth?
0: Uh, I've got Lincoln Riley and USC with the arrow pointing down. They're headed to the Big Ten, and the best teams from the Pac-12 are coming with them. And I got news for USC. I don't know if you guys have looked at their schedule next year. It's tough to find seven wins on that schedule. And I $11 million, man, 6-6 six and six ain't going to get it done. He, he'll be shipped the fuck out of there in a hurry, and they'll get somebody else in there who can actually – you know, coach and some defense and get some players that'll be there longer than one season because their their roster is like a revolving door right now. Players just coming in and out. So uh and they were seven and five this year. They were two plays away from being five and seven. It they it took triple overtime to beat Arizona and it took a two point conversion to win to beat Cal. So those two plays they finished five and seven and it looks way worse than it does right now. So I got Lincoln Riley with the arrow pointing down because, as we said, can he build a program? That answer has been a resounding yeah. no. And moreover, yeah, as, as we it said looks in like
2: 2021,
0: yeah. And moreover, it looks like it, like he just continually runs them into the ground. So that, that's wow. my arrow pointing down.
1: I gotta say that uh, both of these nominees are uh, on the street corner begging for change. Um, they're both in some pretty bad spots. Um,
2: yeah, both missing some teeth.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, of the two, though, I'm gonna have to give this one to Jason. Man, I mean USC. If if you have the Caleb Williams and the Jordan Addisons of the world, and you can still only manage to win seven or eight games, like, well, what are you gonna do with them? With them gone, like, who <laughs> who's coming in? I mean, I don't see the the, the holes that they're going to be able to fill. And Lincoln Riley still with the move out west hasn't figured out that you have to play a little bit of defense to be competitive. And like you said, going to the Big Ten is going to be a big shock to that system right there because those boys are going to get pounded into the ground all season long. And it's going to get ugly real quick over there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like fuck around and go to Minnesota in the, yeah. in November when it's yeah. snowing and they just yeah. pound
2: you over yeah. and over
0: and over again. Yeah, you know, I mean,
2: well, that's what I said when I was uh, I I did a, a little guest spot on the Backups to the Backups podcast and we we talked briefly about USC and I was like, man, you know they're going to the Big Ten next year and wait until they find themselves in Champaign, Illinois, yeah. in November and they watch yeah. Brett Bielema roll out the three tight end heavy set. <laughs> on third and one like there is a, there is a zero chance that the the odds of getting of Illinois getting a first down on that play are 100%. Like they are not <laughs> equipped to play in that league right now.
0: No. No. No, they're not. I can't
1: wait. I can't wait. All right, moving on to the next one. Um we're going back to the old school. Um we're going with the Madden 2004 Michael Vick Cover Award. So this is for the most video game-like stat line, whether it be as a team or an individual player uh, for the season. So, Eric, let her rip, man.
2: Uh, I'm not going to do a player or a team. I'm going to do a game because both sides were equally absurd. Mm. And that is uh, a game that featured 104 total points. 1,343 total yards, 66 total first downs, and zero ounces of defense. Mm. And that was Ole Miss 55, LSU 49 mm-hmm. in six. That's a great game. Uh, it was a great game. It was a lot of fun to watch, but it was just like ping pong. Right? <laughs> I felt like I was at Wimbledon. I right? just <laughs> right down the field, right down the field. Um, <laughs> Old Miss ran for 317 through for 389. Jaden Daniels was absurd, even more so than normal this year. Uh, LSU ran for 223 through for 414. Both teams averaged 10.0 yards per pass attempt or better, and both teams averaged over six yards per carry. So. And it featured a game-winning touchdown with 39 seconds left. So, if you don't care about defense, this game had everything you want. Boom. I love it. Mm. Jason, beat that.
0: Oh, man. That's going to be tough to beat because uh, that that's one that I, that was actually on my list. I had these in no particular order, but uh, I kind of went player, player unit and then a game. But that was a game that I would have noted that was outrageous. But... I'll go with the individual player here because I think this is just an absolute just stupid stat line, and it's over a two-week period. Okay. Uh, Ollie Gordon at Oklahoma State. In two games versus West Virginia and Cincinnati, back-to-back weeks now, the guy had 54 carries for 553 yards and six touchdowns. And for the, you folks at home without your calculators, that's good for 10.25 a carry for 54 straight carries not too shabby not too shabby is right i mean the dude just he was oklahoma state's entire offense for a two-week period and yes i get it those two other teams aren't that good but oklahoma state wasn't that good either (laughs) like they they got their shit kicked out of them by south alabama a couple of weeks before that so
2: yeah that's why i reject the they didn't you know it, it came against shitty teams yeah because West Virginia didn't give up 225 or 270 yards rushing every game, right? It's it's, if it was easy to do, more people than Ollie Gordon would have done it.
0: Yeah, agree.
2: Yeah,
0: I I do have a nominee, but I I didn't want to. I'm going to go with Ollie Gordon as my entry.
1: All right. Well, in in that respect, I'm going to actually award Jason with the award for the Ollie Gordon because I was not aware of that actually. (laughs) um that the stat line was that large um and when you're talking about toting the ball 50 some odd times and and averaging 10 yards a clip i don't care who you're playing that's impressive um not to take anything away from the wimbledon match that eric brought up because i do remember that game and that was that was a barn burner and it was that's 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 definitely something that would have transpired on the sticks of the playstation 2 back in the day yeah yeah, you throw. You,
0: yeah, you throw the quarter amount up up on fifteen minutes, and you just mm-hmm. let it sling. And yeah, the final score yeah. is two twenty five to two forty.
1: Yeah, seven thousand yards passing for <laughs> yeah.
2: Colt Brennan and the Hawaii team. You know, so
0: versus Dennis yeah. Dixon. I, yeah, With that. Yeah.
2: And I I did have an honorable mention in this one because this was another game similar to that. That was I too, Iowa yeah. Iowa State and Kansas State uh, mm. in the blizzard
0: oh damn that was that snow game yeah that was a good game to watch
2: uh that had i want to say i don't remember this for fact i didn't look it up i want to say that had five scoring plays of 60 or more yards in that game yes
0: yes it was a one big play after the next in a snowstorm
2: in a snowstorm it got into the 80s uh score not the temperature but um yeah, wild, wild game, and it wasn't a matchup I was particularly looking forward to. And then I found out is the weather was going to be shitty, I was like, "Oh God, I'm not going to watch wash it. that's going to be a, you know, seven to three slog." Um,
0: it was actually a late and, game. I think it was like going was on a, at like nine or ten o'clockers.
2: Yeah, it was. It was the the eight thirty or eight o'clock time slot Eastern, mm-hmm. and pff, wild one.
0: Yeah, and my honorable mention for this category would have been James Madison's defensive line between. Three players, and I want to give these guys some props here. Jalen Green, uh, Jamry Cromart, and Mikhail Kamara. Those three dudes combined for 60 tackles for a loss. Like, all three of them are in the top five in the country in tackles for loss. They absolutely dominated all year, pitching tents in backfield. I mean, 60 tackles for a loss for three dudes. I ain't never seen no stats like that. Hey,
1: James Madison and the Dukes, look out. I mean, they're building they're a squad fund, over there, man.
0: They're, they're going to fund my retirement. what they're Yeah, gonna
1: do. yeah. They're, they're looking good, man. Watch out. All right, moving on to our, our last category for the awards segment. Um, this one's going to be the Jim Harbaugh, if worms had machine guns, then birds <laughs> would be scared of them award. <laughs> Uh, which translates to what was the best quote of the year? Um, could be from anybody. Could be an analyst. It could be a player. It could be a coach. I don't give a shit. Which which one had the best quote this year from somebody, Jason?
0: The best quote of the year. I'm going to go back to a game I discussed earlier. The best quote of the year comes from Dan Lanning. Quote: Rooted in substance, not flash. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet. The Cinderella story is over, man. They're fighting for clicks. We are fighting for wins. This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass, end quote. And after that, they fucking demolished Colorado, and it was glorious. I mean, I I saw that video, and I wanted to run through a fucking wall. I was like, yes, let's go. (laughs) Best quote of the year.
2: All right, Eric. Now I feel like I screwed this up because I didn't know you were naming the award after Jim Harbaugh when I picked. <laughs> oh Jim no! When please, I Jim Harbaugh. Quote, please. Um, on the uh, on the issue of uh, culture and team cohesion, especially with some of the off field stuff that went on at Michigan, um, talking about locker room unity amongst the players, and he said, "I quote, locker rooms, a lot like my mom's bathing suits." I like to see them in one piece. If you had to distill Jim Harbaugh down to one quote, it would either be that one or the worms with machine guns.
1: Jason, you already know who won this
2: one. Come on, man. This is in the correct spirit of the
1: award. That guy. (laughs) Absolutely, man. If there's yeah. anybody that's good for one, what the f- did he just say? Moment every year, it's got to be Jim Harbaugh.
0: Every yeah, my year. yeah, my my close second would have been Jerry Kill's post bowl game comments that he made uh, <laughs> the other day, which was the New Mexico athletic director better be disciplined. I may get in trouble, but I don't give a shit. I can go to Mexico and drink margaritas and let y'all have a nice life up here. I couldn't care less. This dude, this dude won 10 football games this year. Pretty crazy.
2: Yeah. And he's pissed off that New Mexico's athletic director resisted letting them use the indoor practice facility because his quarterback peed on the building earlier yes, in the year.
1: Correct. Oh, so much drama. So, much oh, God, I love college football. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, yeah well that's all I got for the awards categories so I, I think we it back to you I think we missed one did we, we? miss one which, oh which one did I miss we we had worst beat on the oh lottery. we did we did I'm sorry I totally oh, skipped God. over the I lost my rent money on Vanderbilt plus seven and a half award uh, <laughs> which is the worst beat of the year um so Eric, I'll give you this one since
2: you brought it up. Totally forgot. So I actually had a smattering of bad beats early in the season to to choose from. Yeah, you did. I had, I think, five in a three-week stretch. Just brutal, brutal losses. The worst one, the one that actually, like, I I came the closest to throwing an inanimate object. Oh, no. Was Nebraska and Illinois. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. In week three. I was on under 43 and a half, right? This is hot on the heels of Nebraska playing some very good defense the first couple of weeks and not being able to score because they can't hold on to the goddamn football thinking, Oh, absolutely 43 and a half. Sure. I'll take that with three minutes left in the game. God, I cannot believe this. Northern Illinois has 89 total yards. Uh, Nebraska has a sizable lead they are up 36 to uh, three northern illinois goes on a 60yard drive in the last three minutes after putting up less than 90 yards the entire rest of the game and the backup quarterback throws a touchdown pass with four seconds left let's go uh 36 to 11 final and I <laughs> I'm not going to say I cried, but the group, my face the changed colors and I, oh, yeah. I shook with rage a little bit. Uh, like, I was fired up.
0: Oh, yeah. The group uh, chat was melting down while that was going on.
2: That's good. That's
1: good. All right, Jason, let's hear yours.
0: All right. So, I went back through all my picks and I didn't really have too many bad beats this year. I had a couple, but not in games that really mattered and not for big amounts. So... I had to go more general in this category and pick the people that I feel the most sorry for <laughs> <laughs> Vanderbilt so, fans. Nope. Nope. The the number one person, which to be fair, it was a, a, a very risky bet trust in Miami. But we talked about that Georgia <sighs> tech game. If you were a money line better on Miami, you got cleaned Ooh, the yeah. fuck out. That was you minus four. Rude. That was minus 1400, by the way, Ooh. on the money line. So if you bet that, and then ball gives it away the way he did, that's a bad beat. I'm sorry, but the people I feel the most sorry for, West Virginia betters, man. Mm. West Virginia betters got cleaned the fuck out on bad beats this year. Uh, the first of which, West Virginia minus two and a half at Houston. Remember that one, Eric? Fucking forty nine yard Mary game, yeah, yeah, forty nine yard bomb with twenty two seconds left to go. Houston wins, and so. Uh, West Virginia minus two and a half gets blown with 20 seconds left. And then Penn State
2: yeah, also. That was that was another one on my lipstick list of bad beasts yep, this year. I,
0: yep. Penn State. Yeah. West Virginia was plus 20 and a half. And Penn State scores with 15 seconds left to blow the cover. 38-15. So. Yeah.
2: yeah now West I was Virginia, actually on the under on that one was was yeah. what I took on the chin because Penn State scored. It was, it was a winning bet. Excuse me. For literally. 99% of the game. Uh-huh.
1: Um, Is James God, Franklin mad. the new Mike Gundy question mark?
2: I don't, no, know. Not, I, not I, I don't know. Not for me. Not for me. He's not. I don't know. <laughs> <that> you <can laughs> compare anyone to Mike Gundy. No,
0: no, that uh, guy can't be trusted. Man.
2: Oh, man.
1: Um, so while I do agree that the Miami-Georgia Tech game was the, the biggest bad beat holistically for people across the nation, um, that is a travesty to lose money on that football game. I would I would have demanded refunds wherever I placed my bet, um, <laughs> even if they were in some questionable establishments. Um, i
0: Before you go further, I should, I will take and eat some crow here right now and publicly declare that it was the dumbest bet that I've ever made. And Timmy, you called me out on it and you know what I'm talking about because you sent me a text message that said, there's only one way, one explanation for this. 45 to three, UCF, Oklahoma State. I put money on Gundy that week (laughs) and I'm sorry, Oklahoma State. That was my fault.
1: Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But Eric... I'm sorry, but congratulations. You win this one um, because that is a terrible beat. I didn't realize that you had the under on that game and to blow it in that fashion, I would not have blamed you, excuse me, for throwing stuff at your TV. Uh, That would have been totally warranted.
2: Yeah. I missed plenty of unders and even some in heartbreaking fashion, but just the way that entire game had gone on and then to lose it to, I think the backup quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really is what set it over the edge for me. Like how do you how can you not stop the guy who can't even start for northern Illinois? No, that's that's just embarrassing.
0: Iowa went Iowa went like 10 and 2 hitting the under yeah. this year. One of those weeks was like the only week that Eric bet on an Iowa under this year and it did not hit. Yep. <laughs> so he had, he had some bad beats.
2: I did there was one I saw I think I maybe put it in the um in the group text, but Georgia Tech, uh when they are double yes. digit underdogs, they were like nine and two the last yeah. two seasons as or three seasons as double digit underdogs. I was like, huh, weird. Guess which two games uh <laughs> 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 they, they yeah. missed it on there. Yeah, uh yeah.
0: Mystery, like, right? <laughs> I think you're oh and three on your last three Georgia Tech bets. and like yeah no I gotta no I, I gotta burn you. bridges that one's what? on you because I told you before the game. I was like, you better you stay away from Georgia Tech. You better not do it. And you did it. Yeah,
2: anyway. they're dead to me. Um, <laughs> Nebraska's dead to me, betting-wise. Uh, who else have I? I've gotten – oh, Penn State, when they play anybody with a pulse. Uh, <laughs> I got to give that up.
0: Ohio State, yeah. There you go.
1: Michigan, you know, things of that nature.
0: Yep.
2: <sighs> all right. So, Eric, are you going to host this Festivus segment, or do you want me to? I, I think I got the Festivus segment. Um, Where, where's right. your poll, man? All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hold on.
0: I'm in a hotel, so I, I can't carry the Festivus poll
2: with me. I'm sorry. I'm not sure if it'll work. <laughs> uh, let's see here.
0: Are you about to change your background?
2: I was trying, but um, I have to That's log a- in or sign up. Oh, to upload more yeah. backgrounds. So no. So quick story. I was flying out of the Norfolk, Virginia airport, uh, I don't know, ten or eleven years ago, and they had what looked like a Festivus pole up at uh at the little check-in desk, a pole uh, tinsel coming coming <laughs> down, even though it was distracting. And uh, I took a picture of it and sent it to my dad. My dad was a huge Seinfeld fan. Uh, we'll probably talk about that on the back end if we have time. Kind of a funny story you guys might get a kick out of. But holiday episode on the South End Zone, we observe Festivus. And yes, you can't do Festivus without this first topic. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now you're going to hear about them.
2: Now you're going to hear about them. And welcome to the airing of grievances. Jason, I will let you air your first grievance with college football uh, player, team, coach, conference, whatever.
0: All right. So I'm not going to tee up the college football playoff committee. I'm going to leave that one to Eric if he so chooses. What I am going to tee up in general is the blatant disregard for teams that play tough schedules. And I I can use my own team as a good example here. Alabama plays Texas. They lose a close game to them. They lose by 10. They would have been better off just playing fucking Sam Houston State or whoever. And no question they would have been in the top four and whatever. So teams get no credit for playing a tough schedule and there is no incentive for scheduling tough out of your conference. That's why teams like Michigan and Texas A&M and several others just play fucking three or four cupcakes. And for some reason, people who rank teams and committees and all that, they just give them credit for these trash ass wins. And we're more focused on like the win totals rather than who the fuck have they played? And I don't like that. I think that's a huge fucking problem, and I think it's going to, heading into the 12-team playoff, devalue the regular season even more than it's already going to be devalued. Like, Florida State fans are complaining that games don't matter. Well, just wait. They're really not going to fucking matter in a 12-team playoff. And to boot, teams aren't going to schedule tough anymore. There will be less good games to watch because – no one rewards you for playing a tough schedule. You drop one game, it's like, oh, well, they lost to Texas. It's like, okay, is that worse than you beating Sam Houston State? Who the fuck cares about them? You know, it's it's a free win. And so I don't like the precedent that we're setting by not giving teams credit for playing tough schedules. That's my number yeah. one grievance that I have for college football. Really my one and only that I that and I you know nothing I haven't mentioned before. I don't like targeting and the, the the direction we're going there. But my main thing is that teams who play tough schedules should get rewarded. I don't give a shit if they're nine and three. If they've played a tough ass schedule and they've beaten good teams outside of those losses, they should be recognized for it. Period.
2: Hmm. Okay. Well I tend to agree. I don't know that this year's Alabama team is the best example given no. that, given that they jumped an unbeaten team and did make the playoff. But right. uh, yeah. the spirit the spirit of your complaint I do agree with. Yeah. Um for the longest time, my biggest grievance has, has been with teams who insist on throwing the fade on fourth and goal. <laughs> that to me that to me is just waving there's just saying I give up. Like I I cannot come up with an original thought. Um
0: looking for pass interference.
2: And so that up until, I would say maybe a third of the way through this season was my biggest gripe with uh, play calling in college football. And that has been replaced, I'm here to tell you. That has been replaced by teams who run a third or fourth and goal or third and fourth and one out of shotgun and hand it off. God, Why are you turning fourth and one into fourth and four? Make it make sense, right? Stop doing that. Uh, if you have a quarterback who is incapable of lining up under center, then that's either a problem with the quarterback or a problem with you right? as a staff who hasn't made him do that. Um, anytime I see a, a team line up in shotgun on fourth and one and hand it off, I hope they get stopped. Um, <laughs> Same. Just because if college football, they you know, to lose. Yeah, if college football goes a collective like O for three, you know, three hundred and forty six on fourth down over the course of a year, because I do that, then maybe they'll maybe they'll stop. Um, that's my that's my big one, and then my other one, the TV timeouts. I mean, I get that they're not going away and it's going to happen, but it's only I don't worse. want to see a TV timeout after the extra point and before the kickoff. Come back, watch the kickoff. It's a touchback, and go to another TV timeout before you run first and ten. Um, you know yeah. the arbitrary eight-minute TV timeout, four-minute TV timeout. Um, it's just too much. You know the the clock rules. We talked about it when they initiated the clock rules. It just it's going to shorten up games, but the TV window is going to stay the same. Yeah. Well, what's going to happen to that? six minutes and i know that we're not talking about a ton of time but you know five or six or seven minutes fewer of game action is just going to get replaced right by commercials that i don't want to see um i don't care about the the limu emu right i want to watch you know penn state ohio state so uh,
0: yeah not only that like the commercials are the same ones over and fucking over again. I'm like, we got the same four commercials yep. and they've played it 17 fucking times. This one broadcast. I'm like, I'm not buying all state insurance. I go. Fuck. How many times you put it on the TV? Like at least change it up, do something. I don't know. It how many people actually watch that and go, maybe I should buy Allstate Cause they played it on my TV fucking 20 times today. That makes me mm. not want to buy it and write the company, a nasty email. <laughs>
2: Get off my lawn. Yes. yes. And what actually bugs me more, like you said, it's always the commercials I hate. The Dr. Pepper Fanville, those cannot end soon enough. <laughs> I, I certainly actually, don't like those enough actually, to watch them.
0: I uh, actually enjoy those somewhat. Like they're no. funny sometimes.
1: No, hard, they're dog shit. They're total dog shit. Hard. They're
2: getting hard they're
0: getting worse and worse as time goes on. I will say that.
2: Yeah. The the, the ladies standing outside the bus. We're still gonna out recruit you. I was like, oh my god. I, <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh. All right. Well, I'm going to take my... What are my, your grievances? Yeah,
1: I'm going to take my turn with airing it out a little bit. Um, my biggest gripe is not necessarily with one thing or the other, but when you take two things and put them together, it equals bad things. And those two things are the transfer portal and NIL. Oh, yeah. I I've been adamant about this since it's become a thing. You can have one without the other, but you absolutely positively cannot have both coexisting together. I mean, on the transfer portal side of the house, you've got guys that are literally switching teams every year. They're playing five years at five different schools. And that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous if you're that bad that you're going to transfer around to five different schools, I got news for you, dude, you're probably not going to be anything at the NFL level. So, you know, sorry, sucks to suck. Now what that does do is it limits the ability for players to move on after bad situations. um, You know, if you were to curl that back. So I think the transfer portal has a purpose but it needs to be more restricted. You know, when you talk about things like coaching changes and things like that, absolutely, I totally wholeheartedly agree that those kids should be given an opportunity to maybe go somewhere else. But this, you know, run rampant, free-for-all, don't like it. You know, needs to be regulated. And then when you combine that with the NIL, you know, you're in this scenario now where kids are literally transferring because collectives aren't giving them the amount of money that they're demanding. And it's like, that's, that's not what this was supposed to be. You know, this was supposed to be for you to be able to rightfully make money off of your name, image, and likeness, not to hold schools hostage for a paycheck and then walk out the door to the highest bidder. So both of those things in combination with each each other are extremely toxic for the sport. And I think you have to heavily restrict one or the other for it to make sense and to be able to coexist. So that is my biggest bitch
2: with college
0: football. Mm. I like that take.
2: And I'm, yeah, it's, it's tough to disagree. Um, much yeah. like the, the commercial breaks, neither one of those things are going anywhere. Anytime yeah. soon. unfortunately um, I don't know that they could scale back either one. I think they would end up in court and lose um, in either case they've, they obviously, they lost the NIL court case resoundingly. And then well, it's, they're all starting coming
0: to, an, it's all coming to an end because once these players become employees.
2: Right. And that's kind of what fought. we,
0: they're going to become, and they're going to have to sign contracts. Then guess what? You can't fucking transfer no matter what. Yeah, like, the the thing happen.
2: we've been kind of not necessarily dreading, but like, okay, this would be like the last straw where this is no longer college football. It's semi-pro was yeah. the employees thing, but now I'd almost welcome it because then you can collectively bargain and sign yeah. a contract. And guess yeah. what? You're here for two years.
0: Yeah. Um, it's the minor leagues for the NFL at that point. Yeah. Which it and I kind of thought
2: is. NIL would sort of like market correct itself. Like once some of these rich assholes like lost enough money, given some kid $2 million to go to their school and the kid sucks. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Well that there's no return on that investment really hasn't scaled down at all. And it's become like Timmy said, something it was never intended to be. And no one, with the power to fix it is interested in lifting a finger to fix it. Looking at you, NCAA. So yeah. yeah. Um yeah, not going anywhere, but I don't I don't like it either. It college football is becoming less and less like the sport that I grew to love as a young teenager. So now that we've got everything off our chest, we'll move on to beats of strength. Uh, yes. this is intentionally vague in general. It can be whatever you want it to be, this is our holiday. Uh, Timmy, I'm going to have you go first this time.
1: Um, so for this one, I, I kind of chose like the most impressive result to me uh, for a team this season. Um, and I, for my feats of strength, selected Louisville. Um, they were a team that was expected to win maybe seven or eight games this year. They were picked towards the middle um, of the ACC, um, and they came out and won ten games, and they had you know a really good uh, passing attack and a really good defense. Um, and of all the teams that were out there, I think they surprised me the most with what they were able to do. So Louisville is my nominee for the feats of
2: strength. Mm. Solid, solid yep. entry. Can't come, you can't hate it, Jason. What's up?
0: I'm going to go with the Jayhawks. Lance just continues to do it man he started off two and ten last year went six and six this year eight and four man it just continues to get better he's a winning machine that's their best win total since uh 2008 and they he has won the same amount of games from 2021 to 2023 as they won in nine seasons from 12 to 20 okay And he only won two his first year. He's got 14 wins the last two seasons. So super impressive, Lance Leipold. We know he's a fantastic coach. He's a winning machine. And uh, if you can win eight games at Kansas, man, I hope Kansas is ready to get their checkbook out long-term to keep that guy because somebody is going to offer him a fucking truckload, Brinks armored truck of money to come and coach them at some point, if he keeps doing what he's doing.
2: So... Mm speaking of writing some checks, uh, they were not particularly good on the football field Uh, on defense. They were actually awful for the entire season. This I'm I'm awarding this feat of strength, not because he turned a team around and made them an instant winner, but he made them relevant uh, in a big way. And that is tough to do at Colorado. So come on down. Deion Sanders prime time. Love him. Hate him. Somewhere in between, people talked about Colorado football for the first time in at least a decade.
0: Two of their games were uh, in the top ten of most watched games of the season. Like yeah. he is a people magnet. People yes, he he's
2: an eyeball magnet. Um, you know, Colorado knew what they were doing when they were hired. They didn't, I don't think, expected him to to come in and win seven or eight games year one, but. Sold out every home game, um, yeah. you know. TV ratings—they—they they were first half of the season. They were basically the center of the college football universe, uh, rightly or wrongly. Um, even the Oregon game, right? Uh, f- four million people want to turn on the TV and watch us get our brain speed in. Okay, you're watching <laughs> us. Um, that did happen. So uh, Colorado being one of the bigger stories of the year, despite going four and eight, uh, I can think of one. I can think of two coaches who could do that, right? And Deion Sanders is one of them.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, not definitely
1: not underselling the four wins, man. Because after what they had last year, <laughs> yeah, that's a miraculous improvement.
0: A, yeah, it's a three hundred yeah. improvement on your window. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, and then how you know when the wins came, and then the losses after, right? How they sort of like started the season and then ended the season maybe feels like a disappointment, but they finish about where most people thought they would, wins and losses wise. But I mean, they were the, the most talked about four and eight team I've ever seen.
0: Uh side note here, honorable mention for this category for me. Uh, sort of a a down note, but I feel like I need to give him props as Jordan Travis. Big feat of strength to you know, go through what the kid has gone through, breaking his leg in a just gruesome manner. Playoff hopes, getting torched his college career, possibly his NFL career. Who knows how he's going to come back from the injury? We don't know. I mean, its they say he's going to make a full recovery, but is he ever really going to be the same player? We don't know. So millions of dollars are at stake, and he's acted like a true pro through all of it, man, even to the point of, like, encouraging guys like Milro on social media to go win it all. You know, so props to Jordan Travis, big feat of strength for, uh, you know, taking a bad situation and sticking positive through it. So
2: Mm. I don't think anyone who's followed Florida State the last couple of years will be surprised that he has conducted himself like that. But it's still worthy of recognition. Mm, Uh, I agree. No doubt. Feats of strength in the rear view. And this brings us to our last topic. It's the Peter and Martin Van Nostrand Award (laughs) for biggest imposter
1: um <laughs> are we Seinfeld's all three will know the that same is, answer
2: we might um it's possible it, one of kramer's alter egos uh, professor van nostrand a juilliard trained orthodontist i believe uh martin, <laughs> dr martin van nostrand um uh, biggest imposter jason who you got
0: it's Lincoln Riley, man. God he, damn it. He's okay, the biggest yeah. imposter, dude. I don't care what anyone says. This guy is an imposter, an impostore. He is not a good football coach. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Throw out the records. He took over a juggernaut in Oklahoma and proceeded to run it into the fucking ground. And then ejected at the right moment in time and took a star quarterback with him and, Caught lightning in a bottle the first year in a down pack 12, even the and even still got his shit pushed in twice, plus got his ass kicked in a bowl game by Tulane. And then this year, the true colors sort of showed up, man. You can tell they don't practice. This guy is just a he's a Hollywood football coach, man. He's just he's a poser. And I'm I'm just to me, he has to be the biggest imposter in college football. <clears throat>
2: Timmy, sounds like you had him as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, for all the same reasons that that Jason mentioned, um, I'm not going to beat, beat the horse on that one. Uh, I'm going to go with my my second round draft pick for this one then. Uh, and that person is going to be Tony Elliott, is oh. an imposter as a head football coach.
0: <laughs> Throwing the shade at the Hoos. Wow. Oh. Dude,
1: the, <laughs> The, the fact that this man has run that program that was already down and out even further into the ground is actually kind of surprising because I actually thought that he was going to be able to maybe create a little buzz around Charlottesville um, and maybe get them on the up and up. But they've recruited worse. They've played worse. And I've just seen a football team that looks like they quit on a head coach and – they're in really, really, really rough shape. And I don't know that he survives after next year. I think he's firmly on the hot seat this year. And if he doesn't come out and at least make it to a bowl game, I think he's out of there.
2: Mm.
0: Damn. That was surprising because they had like five or six or seven games this year where they lost by less than six points. I was was going to say, I don't,
2: I don't know that I agree. I, I feel like there's signs of, you know, reasons for optimism around them. They've they've played a lot yeah. of teams tough, especially after, you know, he comes into the job right when Bronco Mendenhall just hits the eject button out of nowhere. Uh, last year, ending how it did with losing the players and canceling, I think, the last two or three games. Yeah. Um, like, I'd almost be surprised. We'll see what their schedule looks like. I haven't checked, but. Like right off the cuff, I would say I kind of feel like they should be a decent bet to get to six wins and make a bowl game next year. They seem to progress from last season to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, they went three and nine, but, (laughs) but, you know, again, they play, it's like, it's like the Nebraska thing, right? Where in Scott Frost's tenure, they, they lose like they have a, a, An even point differential and go one and eight in conference play, kind of thing. This is not to that level, but when you have like five or six or seven games that end in less than one score and you lose all of those games. Like at some point, you got to go, fuck, man. It's like bad luck. Like they're still playing hard, but they just like can't finish. So I
1: hey, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, the one thing that did it for me is Tony Elliott's supposed to be like this quarterback guru, offensive genius type guy.
2: Hey, yeah. Hey, I got, I got hey, nothing hey, there. And, and
1: Brendan Brennan Armstrong at the end of last year was like, nope, I'm out of here. Later. <laughs> he goes to NC State and lights it up. Kid me? So yeah. I'm just
0: saying, man. I'm just saying.
2: Hmm. Bruce
0: hate coming out on the pod.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I also had USC. We we've talked Lincoln Riley to death. My honorable mention would be Mario Cristobal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's imposto. Oh boy.
2: He's he's in his third school career coaching record 74 and 72. Like I don't know why this is a $10 million a year coach. He's won double digit games twice. He's got one. Top twenty finish uh, in the AP poll, final AP poll. Three and three in bowl games. You know he's hired to turn around a a seven and five Miami team. He's gone twelve and twelve in two years. Just thoroughly unimpressed. He's.
0: Well, I'll go on record and say this for you. I I was (laughs) Cristobal was on my list, but I'm going to tell you right now. If Michigan goes and gets absolutely plastered by Alabama, Harbaugh will be the biggest impostore on earth. After stealing all the signals and then his team kind of looking like ass down the stretch, if he goes and gets plastered again in the playoffs and what that would make him, what, like one and fucking nine in postseason games in his Michigan yeah, tenure? Yeah, I
2: think one and seven or one and eight. Yeah. yeah.
0: He would be the biggest imposter, but going to hold that because maybe they do beat alabama who knows but i wouldn't bet on it
2: all right okay um so that wraps up the the festivist segments we have time for a quick story i think maybe given it's the holiday episode we can go a little long yeah
0: man i mean who cares anybody so i I alluded we we appreciate you and Thank you for subscribing and watching and all that good stuff. We've really grown the past couple of weeks. So yeah, a couple more minutes. Yeah. Eric, take it away.
2: So I I alluded earlier to my dad being uh, a big, big Seinfeld fan. Um, In fact, he he died about a year and a half ago. And one of the things that uh, of his, that I grabbed kind of a keepsake was he had a a poster, the, uh, the Kramer painting that Jerry's girlfriend did. Um, So that, That is up. He had that up in the garage. I kept it, but, um, he, he was a Seinfeld nut. Uh, he was also a high school tennis coach for about between boys and girls. I think he did 40 something, you know, seasons total. He did the girls for between 25 and 30 years and the boys for about 20 before he retired. Um, and you know, you go back to like 2000, 2002, right. Um, small town in South Dakota, they didn't have like a beat writer covering the high school tennis matches. So he had to, yeah. So he had to s- submit the scores to the paper for it to show up in the paper, right? Oh, Hey, so-and-so beat whatever. And after a little while, some of the parents started providing feedback to the paper. Like, Hey, how come you don't have the JV matches? And the, you know, my kid plays JV for the tennis team, but their, their scores are never in there. Uh, just normal parents stuff. Right. Well, a lot of times, you know, depending on where you're playing or who you're playing, the JV team might not even be playing their matches at the same spot. They could be over at tennis courts at the middle school or something. So he doesn't know who the the JV player from the other school is. He just, you know, those kids come back in the bus or the van or whatever and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I won, you know, 6-2 or whatever, or I lost 6-4. So he couldn't submit Results to the paper if he didn't know who, you know, Jim Smith from his school played. So he decided, well, you know, these parents are going to, you know, complain to the paper. They don't care who the kid played. They just want to see their kid's name in the paper. Right. So he just made up names. (laughs) And he, he didn't, but he didn't like, and let me rephrase he used fake names. He didn't make them up, he took them all from Seinfeld.
0: Oh, classic.
2: So, awesome. you know, you see it and it was kind of an inside joke right? with a lot of his friends. They would always check the paper and see, oh, okay. You know, pick out the name. Oh, look, Jake Jarmel. Right. <laughs> he, he ended up with like, like uh, an Excel spreadsheet. Right. So he had boys' names, girls' names. He had a couple like Jackie Childs was. Uh, oh, Yeah. Jackie Childs played both girls and boys high school tennis in South Dakota in the <laughs> early 2000s for multiple schools.
0: I need to go do some research and find these articles. Surely, to and, God, they're still out there.
2: Oh, you'd you would have to go back a ways. Um, I think if I sent you a link to, to my hometown paper, you could probably search and and find something. Maybe, Classic. but. Um, yeah. Big, big Seinfeld fan. He would appreciate a festivist episode, even though he was never really into college football. But the, in fact, um, when he passed away, um, in the obituary, we snuck in honorary pallbearers, right. For his services were Martin and Peter van Nostren, uh, <laughs> Tim, Tim Watley, Jake Charmel was one. We stayed away from the bigger ones like Jackie Childs and Art Vandelay, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad is big, big Seinfeld nut. So the Festivus episode is fun for me.
0: Nice, sweet, awesome. Love well, it. Well, anybody who's still with us, we appreciate you for watching. Uh, we always have a ton of fun doing the awards show. Timmy, thanks for coming back, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm going to try to retain your <laughs> services next year, uh, just like they do McCutcheon, You know, because you deserve to retire with us.
1: Hey, give me one of those Shohei Otani deals, and uh, we're talking, man. Stop. Stop.
0: (laughs) This is not the fucking Los Angeles Dodgers. I said the Pittsburgh Pirates, goddammit. Like, I'm comfortable just collecting the revenue sharing over here. Shop off
1: about nine zeros from that number, and you're in Pittsburgh. (laughs) As I say, we can
2: can pay you. We can, we can get you under contract for $2 an episode, yeah, but yeah. we'll only pay you yeah. 50 cents up front, yep. and then we'll do 50 cents a year from 2040 until yes. we're all dead. Yep.
0: Yeah, we're deferring all of yeah. that money, so we'll pay you $2 <laughs> a year to be on the show, and then after we retire, I'll pay you 68 bucks a year. How's Sweet. That, how's that sound? Sweet. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, that's all for the award show and the Festivus Celebration. You guys can find us on YouTube, so any other social media at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. Timmy, you want anybody to follow her? You just want him to fuck off?
1: I don't give a shit. You come after me, I'm going to come after you. So you want to follow me? Get ready to go to war. Let's
0: go. Let's go. Never change, Timmy. No. Never change. But <laughs> all right, that's going to be all for us this week. Catch you later on. Later. Thank you very much, have a great day.